Welcome to the Convene Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Miltite. In this podcast, we're talking to Bridget Schulte. She's the author of Overwhelmed, Work, Love and Play When No One Has the Time. She's become an expert on how Americans spend their time, including their time off. And when the surveys, when they ask people, why did you work on vacation? Because so many do. They say, oh, I felt badly leaving my colleagues. I didn't want them to feel like I was abandoning them. Coming up, why Americans are so bad at taking vacation and what we can do about it. Convene magazine is published by PCMA, the Professional Convention Management Association, and it offers fresh perspectives on meetings and events. You can find Convene online at pcmaconvene.org. Bridget Schulte is a longtime journalist and writer. She was at the Washington Post for many years. Now she's the director of the Better Life Lab at New America, a think tank in Washington, D.C. I told her that sounded like a pretty nice job, a hopeful title if ever there was one. When Bridget wrote her book, it was done partly to find out, could she have a better life, more time for family and things she loved? Most of us are labouring under our own version of overwhelm, And despite that, a lot of us don't even use all our vacation days. Convene did this survey of meeting planners in which they discovered 80% of their respondents didn't take all their vacation days. Does that surprise you? You know, unfortunately, it doesn't. And it should. (laughs) How could you not want to take vacation that you had already earned? This is your time. This is your money. This is your life. You know, you have earned this. And yet in in the United States, that is not at all unusual. Part of me thinks, okay, if you're a meeting planner, there's a certain type of demandingness that simply comes with that job because this event is resting on you. So part of me understands why perhaps a lot of meeting planners aren't taking all their vacation because they're always trying to meet the demands of the next event. Well, you know, you could say that about just about any job. The thing about it is, in the United States, we are the only advanced economy that has no paid vacation policy, uh, unless you want to include countries like Nepal. I think they don't have a vacation policy either. So we don't have a history or culture of embracing taking time off to to recharge, relax, refresh, enjoy your life. There is, there has always been a very strong work streak in the United States. The Protestant work ethic. We get our a lot of meaning and uh, identity out of work, but that has really, really gone kind of crazy since the switch from the industrial age, the industrial revolution. That kind of machine, kind of uh, you know, you punch in, you punch out, you make your widgets, your day is done into this more kind of service knowledge economy when we all have jobs like the meeting planners, which kind of never, you're not sure when you're ever done. There's always more to do. Uh, There's always uh, the next thing coming up. But I think what's really important that we Americans really need to be much more aware of is the emerging science, neuroscience uh, around just sort of how our brain and bodies work, that we actually, if you really want to be really work focused and you want to do a really excellent job, The only way to do that is by taking time off, is by getting enough rest and relaxation uh, to be really be able to recharge and come back in refreshed. There's a lot of research in the United States on overwork and burnout, and we do not have much good research on vacation because nobody takes it. (laughs) But what the research 
on overwork and burnout is showing is that you are much less effective if you keep pushing and pushing and pushing, which is really uh, has become the culture in America right now. And of course, part of what's contributing to this burnout culture is anxiety, fear of being dropped at any time. Gone are the days of the 30-year career at one company. So we just keep beavering away to show how irreplaceable we are. I completely agree with you about the culture, the work culture, and also I, as, as I see it, not having grown up here, the culture of individualism, and I can do this, I can do it on my own, I make everything happen, I think that's a big part of it. But also there's, uh, frankly, there's competition, there's the way you look in front of your colleagues or your boss that also plays into it, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. And so that's where the culture is so critical. You know, the culture sets the tone and you want to try to live up and meet and exceed that tone. You know, you talk about competition and individualism. That's, those, are, those are very powerful forces in the United States. There's a sense of meritocracy and I make my own way and pick yourself up from your bootstraps. And if this is the standard, I'm going to meet and exceed it, right? Uh, and so when you have a culture that basically is always on, we have uh, in many places still very much a FaceTime culture. Uh, there's research that shows that even it, regardless of the quality of your work, that managers and bosses tend to reward long hours and they tend to reward those people who are in the office because it's sort of like it, it's it sort of fits your automatic assumptions. Oh, if you're always there and you're working late, wow, you must be so dedicated. Even though the research shows that those pe- those those are not the kind of the quote unquote ideal worker who's just always on and always there, doesn't necessarily produce the best work, and clearly does not produce the most creative work and the most innovative work. And that's what's so interesting. And we're at this really interesting time where I think we're just beginning to wrestle with that. What the neuroscience research is showing us is that our brains work in two functions. We have two sort of modes, if you will. And one is concentrated mode. And that's where you're, you know, you're working and you're, you're at your desk and you're head down and you're just powering through your tasks. And you're, you know, you might get distracted and flip off to do your email, but you are just, you're on. But the other mode is what they call diffuse mode. And it's when you're kind of daydreaming and you're relaxed and you're kind of in a completely time out of time or zoned out kind of state of mind, like when you're in the shower, perhaps, and you're, you're not really thinking about anything in particular. And it is in that state of kind of diffuse thinking where your brain is able to make all of these kind of, they call them weak associations, that when you're in concentrated mode, they wouldn't make sense that you would make these connections. But in that diffuse mode, it's kind of more playful and you're kind of like letting your mind wander. And that is where the spark of creativity comes from. That's where a new idea emerges. So you really need both of that kind of concentrated and diffuse mode to do your best work, to get your best idea, to think about, well, how can I do this better? You're really not going to come up with that kind of fresh you know, breakaway insight by just staying at your desk and hammering through. And I think that as certainly uh, business community begins to understand more of that neuroscience, I'm hoping there'll be more of an embrace of understanding burnout cultures really kind of driving us into the ground. And now is the time to embrace the best way of working, which is, is really embracing both that time off and time on. Now, there are a few, very few enlightened companies that are actually paying people a bonus to take their time off. 
One company Bridget covered for the Washington Post paid employees $7,500 to take a complete vacation without checking email or voicemail. But of course, these firms are very much the exceptions. The more common attitude is sure vacation's nice to have, but it's not necessarily have to have. For me, as somebody who didn't grow up here, just the very fact that at most American companies, you start with two weeks a year, that says it all. That says it all to me. Because of course, in Europe, you're starting with at least 20 days, you know, four four working weeks, and possibly more, depending on where you work. And I, I mean, I'll never forget, I mean, I've been here for 20 years. But when I moved here, I thought, how are people supposed to just have two weeks out of 52 as vacation? That's like treating your body as if it were a robot. I know, I know, believe me, as somebody who, you know, I am American, and I have worked really hard over the years. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. Uh, There's just no question about it, particularly, I think what's difficult is that, you know, again, in the knowledge economy, the service economy, you tend to do work that you like. And so it doesn't ever end, you do like it. But you know, it's really easy to just, uh, you know, to kind of lose your way. And I call myself a recovering workaholic. And I think so many of us are because that's what the culture rewards. It is insane. I, I was doing a story a couple of years ago, and there was wonderful research out of Sweden. You know, most Americans, we read these stories and, you know, some Americans sort of scoff at it. It's like, oh, you know, people are lazy. And the other half, like me, sort of weep. Oh, why aren't we more like that? (laughs) But the entire country takes pretty much takes the month of July off. Everybody's off. Everything's closed. And what they found was, was this fascinating research that antidepressant prescription levels just plummeted. And there were these greater feelings of well-being, and they called it collective restoration, that not only did you individually refresh and recharge, but entire families did, entire communities did, entire companies and, and cities did, the whole country did. And part of it is, think about it, you know, the closest thing we have to something like that in the United States is the week between Christmas and New Year's, when a lot of places are closed down, a lot of people take vacation. And so you don't feel like you're missing out. And you don't feel like, oh my goodness, my inbox is just going to be overflowing. Because if you're off, just about so many other people are off too. And that was really interesting. One of the biggest differences is, you know, a lot of times in the United States, again, because of this work workaholic kind of work culture, when you say I'm going on vacation, it's not sort of, oh, where are you going? Tell me about it. It's like, oh, how long are you going to be gone? Ugh. You know, it's sort of like, oh, this is a problem. And so a lot of times people go on vacation and they're already feeling guilty and they're feeling bad and they haven't finished all the work that they felt like they needed to do. And when the surveys, when they ask people, why did you work on vacation? Because so many do. They say, I I felt badly leaving my colleagues. I didn't want them to feel like I was abandoning them, which is noble, but also, you know, kind of defeating. But so many of them say, I couldn't face coming back to my inbox just so full. Well, even if you check your email while you're away, at least you're on vacation. Bridget says, although the U.S. hasn't done much research on the benefits of time off, it has looked into what happens when you don't take it. She says men who don't take vacations are 30% more likely to have a heart attack than men who do. Women are 50% more likely to have one. She says women are also more likely to suffer from depression if they don't take vacations. 
But it doesn't have to be this way. She says again, so much of the US work ethic is driven not by the amount of work there is to do, but by the culture of overwork. And I think the more we talk about that, the more we become clear that that's what we're talking about. And then the more we really begin to, to think about what's important. And what's important is the quality of the work. What's important is the, laying the groundwork and the foundation for the next new idea. What's important is treating your people well so that they will be able to do that. You know, the more we can focus on what's really important, I'm hoping that that's where the culture change will come. Thanks to Bridget Schulte for taking a little time out of her own vacation to talk to me. That's the Convene podcast for this month. There'll be another show next month. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening.